Buenos días y bienvenido a la Jeremy Knows Podcast. Este solo lugar donde Vicon nunca termines. I'm your host, Jeremy, Heart Trooper 7, and I'm here to bring you a crypto taxes breakdown. I specifically want to highlight how to claim taxes for book games burn transactions, which I've been getting a lot of questions about. Um, I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and all the rest. Uh, hopefully you can hear my voice. I'm like, I'm super energized after a couple weeks vacation in South America with my family. Um, on the live video on Instagram, I'm wearing the Messi jersey. It was incredible to, to witness the Argentina win in person. And uh, yeah, we're back at it. And so I hope you'll join us on Twitter at 10 a.m. Eastern time, or let me know what you thought of this breakdown uh, at Jeremy Knows VF on Twitter or here on Instagram. Now, I need to like very seriously caveat this, that I am not a tax professional, not a CPA. I'm not licensed to give you tax advice, but this is the information that I have to the best of my knowledge. And I'm going to be particularly focused on U.S. taxes Um, each jurisdiction will have their varying um, uh, stipulations. So, so really do check with a tax accountant. I know this, this crypto filing and tax can get a little sticky. So the reason I'm, I'm recording this now is because if you have realized any capital gains in the year of 2022 and you're filing taxes in the United States, you have until January 1st, December 31st at midnight to realize any capital gains losses to offset that bucket of capital gains that you'll need to pay a percentage tax on to the U.S. government. And I'll also mention like, please don't try to be too cute about not claiming. All of these transactions are immutable and on the blockchain. And even though the government has not yet caught up into how to automate this process of knowing your taxes due On the crypto side, it's only a matter of time, and the IRS can certainly go back and uh, send you a letter years from now once it identifies that you underpaid your taxes if you try to, you know, not necessarily maliciously, but skirting the details, um, evade any of your tax burden. That being said, I don't want to scare anybody. There is a lot of gray area in this. There are some things we have guidance on from the IRS, and there are some things we do not have guidance on. One of those things we don't have guidance on is whether or not sending an NFT to the ETH burn address constitutes realizing its value. So you'll hear me say this a lot. And let me give a little, a little brief of what I expect to talk about here. We're going to talk about the forms of taxable events on the crypto side. What is realized versus unrealized gain or loss? Um, what burning book games means for your tax exposure and why you might consider realizing some capital losses before the end of the year. Specifically in the United States, um, you, can only, you can only offset capital gains with losses realized in the tax year that they happened or forward. If you're in Canada, you can realize these losses next year and roll them back into your 2022 tax uh, capital gains once you've figured all that out. But in the U.S., we don't have that ability. Um, what, what, I, what, what we were discussing yesterday in space is that Canada actually can roll their losses forward for three years um, and roll them back. In the United States, via the IRS, 
You cannot roll them back, which is why it may be advantageous for you to realize some before January 1st, but you can roll them forward actually in perpetuity. And if you don't have any capital gains to offset in a given year, but you have uh, rollover losses, you can actually deduct up to 3000 from your ordinary income as if it were a regular deductible for business expenses. Um, again, please verify what I'm saying with a tax professional, but I wanted to give you a brief here. So realizing losses versus unrealized losses. Um, VFriends is actually a good example of this. If you were if you had minted VFriends or, or really accumulated them any time, most any time since the mint, and you're still holding on to that VFriends NFT, you have an unrealized loss. I, for example, minted a VFriends Series 2 for what was 0.335 ETH, roughly $1,000 USD. As far as taxes are concerned, the IRS does not care about the ETH value. They care about the US dollar value. That is why if I buy an NFT for an ETH, and that ETH is worth $4,000 at the time that I buy it. And then a month goes by and I sell it for the same one ETH, but ETH has fluctuated down to 3,000. I've actually realized a US dollar value loss of $1,000. That's a capital gains loss that I can deduct from my capital gains bucket. Um, so realizing the value happens in a few different ways. One, it happens anytime you convert crypto back to fiat. Um, and realizing the value can realize a gain or a loss, right? Depending on what your cost base is, the, the entry price, the price you paid the cost to acquire that asset, whether it's Ethereum or Bitcoin or an NFT. Um, it does not trigger a taxable event if you are buying cryptocurrency. So if you're going fiat to crypto, there's no taxable event. Only the reverse, crypto to fiat. It also does not trigger a taxable event if you're transferring crypto to yourself. So if I'm just moving around Ethereum, I'm transferring ETH to a minting wallet, that's not a taxable event. However, if I were to transfer it to a wallet that is not my own, it's either going to be seen as a realizing of value or as a gift. And I know that this can get really sticky, right? Because you buy your ETH at 2000 and when you transfer it, it's 2010. Technically you've realized a $10 gain and you need to add that to your capital gains bucket. One misconception I see a lot, and I know I'm, I'm going in a lot of different directions, so feel free to hit me with a follow-up if you have any specific questions and please do consult with your tax accountant. Um, one misconception I see is, people will have a bucket of capital gains. Let's say you have $10,000 of capital gains from selling crypto in the, this last year. And you calculate that your tax burden for that is whatever, $2,000. I'm just making up numbers. But that's, depending on your income and how much capital gains you've received, it would probably be about $2,000. When you realize capital losses, you're not deducting from the tax burden of 2000, you're deducting from the total bucket of capital gains. And then you recalculate your tax burden based on the, 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 cap, the capital gains. If your capital gains for the year are negative, then you don't have any taxes due. And so although the market is bloody right now, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of us are holding assets that uh, have gone down in value, 
there is a significant opportunity right now, if you're still holding those assets, to realize the loss before the end of the year and offset your capital gains that maybe you realize in January, February, March, and April before the market started to decline quicker and have a smaller tax burden, which is good for everybody. So back to the ways that um, taxable events occur. You have crypto to fiat. You also have crypto to crypto. So if you're swapping Ethereum for Solana or Ethereum for wrapped ETH, the value from where you bought that Ethereum, say $1,000, and where you swapped it, say $1,500, is realizing the value of that ETH in US dollars and you've realized a $500 gain. It works the reverse. If you buy Ethereum at $4,000 and you hold it all the way down to $2,000 before you swap to wrapped ETH or Bitcoin or something else, you're realizing a $2,000 loss. Please understand that in that example, I'm talking about a full Ethereum. That It gets so tricky here when you're talking about fractions, right? If I've got 0.25 ETH and what's the value? That's $1,000, yada, 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 yada. When, when you're doing this via crypto exchanges like Coinbase or Uphold or KuCoin, they will be able to export you a report with all the details you need and simple crypto tax softwares like Zenledger or Coinly will be able to run a quick report on this. But those programs are not as efficient at the NFT side and they're getting better, um, but they're not as efficient. So... I will, I, these are not sponsored. I don't have affiliate links for this, but Zen Ledger, uh, I used last year and I found it to be a bit of a headache, but it ultimately worked. This year I'm using Coinly, which is K-O-I-N-L-Y. Um, please, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you a link. Maybe I can even get an affiliate link. So it may be an affiliate link in the podcast, but I'll leave you a link to those those products in the, in the show notes. Um, just always be sure you're using like safe, links and you know verify it through Google and their Twitter account and everything else. So the the third way that taxable events occur on the crypto side are when you buy products or services. This is why when you if you have only bought NFTs, you may still have a tax burden depending on how much US dollar fiat value you've realized in buying your ETH. If you bought your ETH in 2017 at $80 and never spent it until the VFriends mint at $4,000, you still have your VFriend and it's fluctuated in value, unrealized gains, back to mint price and so forth. Um, you still have a tax burden. I mean, this would have been in 2021. Let's let's keep it 2022. Let's say you, um, you bought ETH on the dip at $2,000 and you bought Ethereum for the Series 2 mint at $3,000 and you spend it at that $3,000 value, you've realized a $1,000 gain. So uh, you'll need to track all of that. So crypto to fiat, crypto to crypto, crypto purchases. And then the, the final one is actually in regard to staking and DeFi, which can function in various different ways. I'm not gonna go into it because it's basically a masterclass in tax accounting into itself. Um, and so I want to just sort of maybe relieve any stress right now and just tell you that the best guidance that we have is for you to be honest and consistent in your approach to claiming your capital gains, taxes, and losses. What does that mean? That means 
determining your format for what gets spent and where. Uh, yes, Rico Coin Tracker is also a program I've looked at. I haven't used at it, but I know that Coin Tracker is a is a well is a broadly used uh, program, and I I can link it as well. Um, so so coming to the consistency of things, there are three primary ways that you can claim um, how your crypto is spent. They are HIFO, LIFO, and LILO or Hilo, shoot, um, check it out. I use, I use HIFO, which is highest in first out. And that means whichever crypto has the highest cost base is the first to be spent. That means if, if cryptocurrency has come down, I'm realizing small losses. And if cryptocurrency has gone up, I'm realizing small gains. That's generally the best for me. Um, there's also FIFO, which is first in first out, which means whatever the most recent crypto that you purchase is the first to be spent. And then there's LIFO, which is last in first out, which means your earliest crypto is the first to be spent. So HIFO, highest in first out, um, FIFO, first in first out, and LIFO, last in first out. And there's different advantages to the different approaches based on the types of transactions that you make and how you have used your crypto assets over the, over the year. So again, consult with your accountant. I'm just trying to give you all the right breadcrumbs so that you can be educated to consider taking capital losses. This is not financial advice. This is not tax advice. Um, but why might you consider realizing some capital losses before the end of the year? Well, it because you want to reduce your tax burden for capital gains that you realized earlier when the market was doing better. So here is my personal priority as I'm looking for these capital losses. First, I'm getting a rough idea of my capital gains. I don't need to know it down to the dollar, but I want to know to the closest thousand how many capital gains I have. Um, personally, because I was doing a lot of trading to just sustain my livelihood in the beginning of the year, I have roughly like 50 or $60,000 in capital gains. Now, um, you can Google and find these numbers very quickly, but there are basically brackets. So your first $10,000 of gains is taxed at like 22%. Then your next $20,000 of gains is taxed at 24%. And then 32% and then 34% up to various brackets until you get to like 200,000 or $250,000 or something. Um, so, so before you calculate your tax burden, knowing your total capital gains exposure can give you an indication of how many losses you want to realize if you have them unrealized right now. For example, um, you know, I'm holding a lot of losses in V friends. I'm also holding a lot of series two. I'm also holding a lot of losses in book games. However, I'm not going to look to that, that just first, first, I'm going to look to rugs. Do I have rugs in my wallet that I minted or maybe bought on a FOMO pump that are now effectively worth zero? That is a great opportunity to realize a loss because it's not an asset that I, you know, I don't want back. I don't want to like uh, basically wash into. What I mean by wash into is like I can sell a book game token and wait a couple of weeks, 30 days, 
um, there, because there's not current in, in stocks. There's a 30 day wash rule where like you can't sell a stock and then buy back into it for 30 days. They haven't established this for NFTs yet, but they have established it for cryptocurrencies specifically in the United States. Um, but like, I don't really want to let go of my V friends. Maybe, maybe that's not a good financial decision. Maybe it's not. I don't know if the price is going up or down in the short term, but I'm going to look for where I can realize my losses from tokens that I don't want that are rugs from tokens that are more art based that don't really have a trading market that I just happened to spend 0.1.2 ETH on that at the time was a few hundred dollars that now, even if I traded for the same amount of Ethereum is a significant loss and just chip away at those capital gains bucket. So to ultimately reduce my tax exposure. Um, and then thirdly, I'd be looking at, you know, um, moments where I bought the top or where I, oh, quote unquote, overpaid. I know it may feel like you overpaid for just about everything, knowing where the market is today. Um, don't worry, you're not alone in that. Nobody, nobody had a crystal ball and saw what was coming with FTX and everything else. Um, but like I, for example, I really wanted an ambitious angel at the launch of series two and I let my emotions get the best of me. And I spent two ETH on an ambitious angel. That was the cheapest one at the time, but obviously that was at $3,000 ETH. And now both the price of ETH and the price of ambitious angels has come significantly down. So I will probably harvest losses on that token because it, it's a significant amount. You know, it's, it's deducting thousands of dollars from my capital gain, capital gains bucket. Um, I hope that all this is relatively clear. Um, again, holding unrealized losses cannot be used to offset capital gains. You have to realize that loss. Now, I, I, am, I can imagine what you're thinking. You're like, well, I have a token I paid more. I paid a lot for. I, I could real and it's worth less now, but I want to hold that token for a very long time. Um, and I don't want to just sell it to anybody. Well, there is a workaround for this that um, is basically advisable. Like, I don't think the IRS is going around telling people like, you should do this. So please take it with a grain of salt. Talk to your accountant. Um, but the where, where where it becomes illegal is where you're doing it with your family. If you're harvesting tax losses with somebody in your immediate family, if I sold all my rugs to my brother, then that would not be advisable and would not constitute uh, capital losses that I could deduct. But if I do a transaction with someone at an arm's length, someone here in the community that's not um, not in my immediate family, then that's fine. And we can make a deal in the future for you to sell it back to me, or we can barter, we can trade, we can do whatever. And that's that's advisable. I, don't, I, I, I actually shouldn't use that word. That is by my research, legal and fine. And it's what a lot of people do. It's called an arm's length transaction. It just has to be someone outside of your immediate family. Um, so if you're like, like, like if I wanted to like really hold on to that specific ambitious angel that I mentioned, um, I could sell it to somebody one degree removed and make a deal with them to sell it back to me in 30 days. I hope all that was clear. Again, I'm not a tax professional. I do not claim to be, I'm, I, but I have spoken with a number of accountants. I've interviewed a number of them. And um, this is the guidance that we have. Um, again, it is not yet clear 
whether sending one of these rug NFTs or any NFT for that matter to the burn address realizes its value as a loss. For example, like I said, you may have bought a, a, an NFT for 0.2 ETH, completely rugged. You could realize that entire two to 200 to $600 value as a loss, um, it, but it's better to sell it at arm's length because we just don't have guidance on the burn. But there are some, if you're not looking to, to cycle back cycle it back to your wallet in some kind of deal with someone at arm's length, there are services that will buy your rugged NFTs for like pennies on the dollar. But I want to be very, very clear on this piece of uh, harvesting tax losses. So I'm, I hope you're listening. You, if, if the NFT has a fair market value, I'm not talking about the rugs. For the rugs where there's absolutely no demand, you can sell it for a dollar or less and it's totally fine because that is the fair market value but you must realize your loss at the fair market value. So for series two NFTs, that means 0.25 ETH. You know, it's difficult because technically all series two NFTs are one of one. So how can you say that my NFT has a fair market value relative to something at the floor? But that is the best due diligence that we can do as regular citizens filing these taxes without clear guidance on every aspect of this. Either take the last comparable sale, for example, in book games. If you had purchased book games before the snapshot and now they're very much down, you know, take the last sale of your matching token or similar frame and you can use that as the fair market value. I tend to just use the floor collection value unless it's something like extremely rare that would otherwise be different, but generally the, the floor of the collection can be viewed as the fair market value. So for vFriends 1, for example, you can't, if you had bought vFriends at 10, 20 ETH, you can't just sell them for zero now and realize the entire thing is a loss. You'll need to sell them at the fair market value of about five and a half Ethereum. Fair market value is very, very critical here. And, um, and nothing will raise a red flag more than selling like significantly below the fair market value. And it will be possible in time for people to look back and see what the fair market value was at the time that it was sold. And the time of all this is so significant, right? Because the, the price of Ethereum is constantly fluctuating. The, the fair market value of NFTs is constantly fluctuating. So I know it can be a headache, but again, I want to stress being consistent with HIFO, LIFO, FIFO, being consistent with the narrative of why you made these trades transactions, keeping notes in a document. If you didn't do this throughout the year, if you if you had not kept a, a refined record of your your blockchain transactions, as most people did, just you know, osmosis this information now and set an intention in 2023 to have a singular notebook where every time you make a transaction you leave yourself a little note because you may have lent someone some ethereum and they sent it back to you you know that doesn't have to be a realized value you may have um you may have transferred something to a new wallet just to keep it safe for a minute um that's actually within your network but if you don't have that note you might forget months later so the narrative of why you did all this is very important and if ultimately in a number of years the irs comes back and says actually you owe us another five six ten thousand dollars 
the burden is on you to communicate your narrative of why you actually uh, submitted your taxes appropriately and paid the appropriate amount. So with that being said, I'm gonna take a sip of my mate and let's talk about book games. Book games on IMX Layer 2 will, will have their data read properly from these, these tax softwares I've mentioned, Coinly, Cointracker, Zen Ledger. But what they don't do so well is transfers and burns. And many folks uh, acquired five matching frames uh, you know, in late April and burned them to receive a new asset in the form of a ETH Layer 1 Series 2 new character. I want to keep this podcast under 30 minutes, so I'm going to try to keep this very, very simple. The TLDR is... We don't actually know what is the best way of doing this, but I will say it is most prudent to consider the burning of your book games as a realizing of value at fair market value. So if you bought your tokens to burn right before the burn window, then the the fluctuation in value from the price you bought them at to fair market, if you bought them at the floor, is pretty negligible and should only see a capital gain or loss of a few dollars. But if you had minted your book games or bought them early on, then you're now realizing a value from zero to 0 0.4, 0 0.3, 0 0.5, 0 0.25, depending on the frame. And it's not just the ETH, it's not the ETH value, it's the value in US dollar at the time, which was in the high 2000s. Now, there's a couple ways in which you could do this because from my point of view, if I'm realizing the value of these five tokens to receive on the other side of the trade, a new VFriends 2 character, I think that that is my new cost basis for that series two character. So let's say it cost you two or $3,000 to realize, to, to buy these NFTs and you realize that value, that is now times five, $10,000 in cost basis for that one Series 2 NFT. Um, alternatively, if you only minted your tokens, um, I think there is a case to say that the cost base of the tokens is the cost of the books because you were buying, the reason you bought the 12 books was to get the NFT. Technically, within the terms of service of the VFriends book games, the cost base of book games tokens minted is one cent. Is effectively zero. Um, so, so I think there there is a, a circumstance in which you could say that the cost that the that burning the book games tokens is actually realizing them at fair market value, and then because you were given the clown or the the panther or the devil, its cost base is also zero, and so you're kind of like you're kind of eating it on both sides. I'm going to work with my accountant to see if we can make my realized value for the burn, the cost base for the new VFriend 2 character. So should I sell any of those Series 2 characters? I can actually harvest significant losses um, on moving those, those characters around. It applies the same way if you burned for a VCon ticket. And you may be asking, like, what would be the fair market value at the time of the burn? The, 
the best way to go back and look at this is to check the day that you burned, what the price of Ethereum was at the time or the daily close. Sometimes the daily close is a little volatile and may not be exactly the price that you burned at, but it's but you can use it. If you want to get the exact, exact time, you'll need to go into the Ethereum chart. And then you can go to immutascan.io, I-M-M-U-T-A-S-C-A-N.io, which is the block explorer for IMX, and see what the average sale price of NFTs were on that day. Now that's not gonna be the exact fair market value because you're looking for a fair market value for your frame, right? Because the the demand for that burn was based on the frame. Um, you know, ideally you have some recollection of this um, or you you made a notation, but if not, and the the average price seems higher than what you recall paying, you can actually go into the token sales of that day, find a frame, find a comp comparable sale like a realized value of just like somebody paying ETH for it, somebody who was buying a last minute frame to burn and uh, and use that value. And so, you know, generally it's going to be from like 0.2 to 0.5 ETH, depending on the frame type. So I know that was a lot of information. I said I want to keep this podcast under 30 minutes. So um, feel free to hit me up with follow-up questions and... Um, and let me know what you thought of this. I hope I didn't confuse anybody. I hope I didn't worry anybody. Uh, if you didn't do it perfectly this year, don't worry. It's a new year. Um, start fresh in 2023. I cannot wait to see you on the other side of the new year. This has been a breakdown to the best of my knowledge, not advisable tax advice, but information and education for you to um, potentially take strategic losses in 2022 here on the Jeremy Knows Podcast. I've been your host, Jeremy, Heart Trooper 7, and I will see you tomorrow. Have a great day.